Attention all personnel. Incoming podcast. This is MASH Matters. You can't stop us. We're back. <laughs> to the delight of dozens. Yes, MASH Matters returns. Hello, I'm Ryan Patrick, alongside my friend, Mr. Jeff Maxwell. Hello, Private Igor. How are you? Hey, Ryan Patrick. I'm fine. I'm very excited that we've actually, we're actually here again. This is exciting. No matter what people say, no matter how many people are out in the streets, we are back, and I'm proud to be here. That's right. No matter what the odds makers in Vegas say, we have returned, and uh, we are just picking up a lot more listeners every week, every day. It's great to see so many people out on Facebook and Twitter saying, hey, I just found your podcast, and I'm loving it. Thank you. Thank you to everybody who has dropped us a line or left a review, and you know, we're, we're getting some new great reviews on Apple Podcasts, which we'll talk about that here in just a little bit, but, but uh, hey, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, you can do that on Twitter, at MASH Matters. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. You can uh, email us through our website, mashmatterspodcast.com, and you can also leave a voicemail by calling 513-436-4077, and we'll be playing a couple more voicemails coming up in this episode. You can also subscribe and leave a review there on Apple Podcasts. We're approaching 100 five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, so we're, we're getting closer wow. and closer. Will you be our 100th? Please go and uh, rate and review us. It will help us out a lot. Ryan, you're going to give $5,000, right, to the person that writes that is that is that what you said earlier? I thought that was. Did I say dollars? Oh, I I assumed it was five thousand somethings. I thought it was dollars. I'm I'm not sure now. <laughs> we'll we'll come back to that. I'm sorry. Yeah, we'll come back. I'll do a thank you with five thousand exclamation points. Oh, okay. How about that? Well, that's just as exciting, isn't that's it? That's a little overkill, <laughs> isn't it? A bit. You can learn a lot by a person's personality of how many exclamation points they use on social media. <laughs> I think. <laughs> how, how psychiatrically damaged they are. <laughs> <laughs> the more uh, exclamation points you use, the less I want to hang out with you. I'm just going to say that. The more you should be spending at your psychiatrist office, <laughs> twice a week at least. So I'll tell you what, Jeff, uh, every time we open up the uh, MASH Matters email and the MASH Matters Facebook and the MASH Matters Twitter, we are just overwhelmed and overflowing with new comments and questions. So if you have ever emailed us a question or sent us a message or tweeted us or whatever, please know we see it all. And we're going to try to get to pretty much all of them eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. We we just have so much listener feedback. It's it's absolutely amazing. You guys are amazing. So uh, we're just going to have another episode here where we run through and try to crank out as many of these as we possibly can. We've got some comments, questions and voicemails. But first, uh, before we do that, we have we have an update. <laughs> You okay? I'm better. Thanks. I'll be all right in a minute. Okay. During our last episode, I believe it was, we discovered an ancient typo in Jeff's book that he wrote, the cookbook. That was uh, Deanna Grimley. She was the one who alerted us that uh, in one of the recipes, it called for 11 onions. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we determined that that was a, a like 23-year-old typo. Once we alerted everyone, please do not use 11 onions, really in any recipe ever, unless you are, you know, cooking for a battalion. Yeah. Please don't do that. You know, 
if anybody out there actually used 11 onions in that recipe, please let us know how it was. I mean, maybe there's something to it. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. You probably don't have any more friends and nobody will hang out with you. No. And there may be some gastric distress that you're dealing with as well. But uh, beyond that, yeah, please let us know. Via Deanna, she actually went ahead and made the recipe with just, I believe, the one onion. And she gave us her review. Deanna said, hi there. I made the potatoes last night. I made just a couple of tweaks, reduced the amount of liquid and added more cheese at the end. I usually do anyway. And it was very tasty. So thank you so much for taking the time to solve my quandary. So glad, Deanna, you didn't stuff yourself full of onions. Yeah. Very happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, we also got another message from our uh, our friend, uh, Gabrielle Fortier. She said, Jeff, I bought your book recently and the recipes that I've made were delicious. So far, I've made chopper chili, steaming swamp stew, ratatouille, and Hawkeye and Trapper's swamp spaghetti. Jeff, when you mentioned the typo in the book, I decided to check my copy to see if it was there. So I went to page 174 and found the Dud Spuds recipe. It turns out I also have the typo version of the book. I don't mind, though, because it's a special copy and I will continue to use it. Thank you, Jeff, for working hard in resolving the issue with your book. And I look forward to buying it again. Once again, great episode. And I look forward to the next one. Thank you, Gabrielle. That's sweet. Yeah, that's very sweet. Thank you for buying it. But please. Please don't ever buy another copy again. Let <laughs> me tell you to do right. so, please. I hate to say it, but the recipes in the book are quite good. I, I ate them all. I tried them all. I made them all. They're very, very good. They're they're actual food products. <laughs> you don't have to be worried about eating them. Uh, it's just that we're working on issues with the book. So anybody else is thinking about buying the book, just think about it for a little while, and we'll let you know when it's really a good idea to buy it. Because if we need to we need to change a few things that are going on with the publishers. If this is the first time you're listening to Mash Matters, go back and listen to uh, the previous episode uh, right before this one and you'll hear the entire story. Also, you can find a few of those recipes on our website, mashmatterspodcast.com. But enough about the book. Enough about the book. <laughs> book, book. We have some questions to get to. Jeff, go right ahead. This is from Matt Grayson. Hello, Jeff and Ryan. Love the podcast. Hey, Matt. Thank you. Been mashing it since I was a wee lad in the late 70s. <laughs> I uh, have about 34 questions, um, <laughs> but I'll boil it down to three. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> Number one, Jeff, have you done voiceover work? I, of course, know your voice from mash, but it seems I've heard it other places. Um, no. Number two, <laughs> yes, I, I have done voiceover work. Not lately. Um, I try not to work at all lately. But uh, yes, I uh, have done voiceover work. You may have heard me other places, probably not recently. If you have heard my voice lately, other than this podcast, however, you might want to lock your doors because I get restless at night and do skulk around. Or maybe, uh, you know, there are some people out there who have, you know, the voices in their heads. Maybe a few of them sound like you. <laughs> that could be. Yes. I'm the voice in your head. Yes. Right. I'm the voice of the voice in your head. That would be <laughs> but you don't get any residuals for that, though, do you? Not a darn one. Nothing. I hate that. Number two, Matt says, I think you've mentioned this in the past, but MASH was notable for being successful with quite a few cast changes and tonality changes. Do you recall there being times of particular tenseness on the set when things weren't loose and you could tell change was coming? No. Number three, 
No, uh, we, there was no tenseness on the set. Snet tenseness on the set. That's hard to say, especially for a guy that does a lot of voiceover work like me. <laughs> tenseness on the set. Tenseness on the set. Coming to theaters and drive-ins near you. <laughs> no, there wasn't any tense, tense, <laughs> tenseness on the set. Ten well, yeah. I mean, like any job, every once in a while, somebody you know would have a bellyache and not be so wonderful, but. No, there wasn't. Uh, the, the the set was not tense because of uh, there were change coming. It was an exciting moment. People were interested to see what was going to happen. Uh, it was more excitement than it was tension. So, no, I don't think there was any tensions on the set because of that. There was a lot of tenseness on the set. There was the mess tenseness, and there was the swamp tenseness, and Klinger's tenseness, and Margaret's tenseness, and tent, T-E-N-T. It's it's hard when you do a joke like that in an audio format. You know, that's more of a visual joke, I think. I give you a lot of credit, though, for doing that, for trying. Thank to, you. I tried. And you kept going down and down. Yeah, I know. I, I didn't, didn't know care. how to land the plane. I really didn't. You know, that's the problem. <laughs> I know how to start, but I never know how to finish. Well, any landing you walk away from is good. So <laughs> I'm just workshopping all of these jokes for when I start my real podcast. <laughs> Uh, anyway, he has one and, more question. Go ahead. Uh, Matt Grayson says, what other sitcoms of that period would you like to have worked on if MASH never existed? Ha ha. Hmm. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> you know, uh, I worked on a number of pilots that didn't sell. That was kind of a career move when actors are not on a sitcom uh, or show they're trying to get on a sitcom or show, and you do a lot of pilots if you're lucky. And I was lucky for a while to get a series of pilots, and one after the other almost, and they didn't sell. So that took up a lot of my time. So I was more interested in in furthering, you know, the success of one of those pilots than I was always scoping out what other show would I like to be on. Mm -hmm. I love the other show I love is uh, Frasier. Mm -hmm. That's a show that I really, really love and admire and respect. I would love to have been on that, but I wasn't. So there you go. Okay. And thank you for those questions. And we look forward to seeing the other 31 soon. Now you, and this is a topic for another episode somewhere down the line. I'd love to do a kind of a, this is your life episode and talk about some of the other shows that you were involved with. Cause you did make guest appearances on other sitcoms and other shows. I would love to talk to you more about that, but we'll talk about that. Uh, you know, like episode 78 or something. Yeah. 78. <laughs> <laughs> this one comes in from Bill Overholzer. I hope I pronounced your name correctly, Bill. Uh, it says, big fan of your podcast. On most shows, characters that don't like each other or fight constantly have a moment on an episode where they display an underlying love or respect for each other. Hmm. For example, Archie and Mike on All in the Family or Jim and Dwight on The Office or even Hawkeye, BJ and Charles. This never happened with Hawkeye and Frank. Do you think this was intentional? And that, again, coming from Bill, uh, my take on it is, you know, when Frank was on the show, it was the early seasons of the show. And at that time, there were glimpses of what MASH would be, which would, you know, it would be a great mix of uh, drama and comedy. And that really didn't take hold until later seasons. So early on, it was more focused on comedy. And when you look at the blueprint, which was the book, and then the movie. Frank was the villain in the book. Frank was the villain in the movie. So they went ahead and expanded that into television. And Frank was the villain. You have to have the good guys and the bad guys. And Frank fit the role of the bad guy. Now, down the road, 
that's when they started, I think, really developing the characters more. As MASH grew and continued over the years, those characters evolved in many ways. And so I think there were more opportunities when you bring in a character like Charles right from the get-go you have opportunities to make that character what you want it to be. However, Frank was already somewhat developed early on, so I don't know that you could have as much room to play with that character. Also, as the show is growing and evolving, you do see an evolution of a character like Margaret, who was also the villain in the first couple of seasons. But then you start to see her evolve a little bit differently because her character had a little more room to do so. But the way that Frank was written early on with being incompetent and, uh, you know, egotistical and intolerant, I don't think that the writers really had much to do with him, which eventually I think is one of the reasons that led to Larry Linville leaving the show because he recognized there wasn't much more that they could do with the character. So that is a long-winded answer to Bill's question. I don't know that it was necessarily intentional. I just don't think that they had much room to do as much with Frank as they did with Charles. And that that's my take on it. Jeff, what are your thoughts? What you said. <laughs> uh, I think you put it beautifully. I, I also think that the, the way they wrote it in, and like you said, uh, Larry Linville kind of said, I can't do this anymore because they'd written him into a corner. There was nowhere he could go. Yeah. And there was nowhere anybody could go with him. And because he was so distasteful a character kind of by the end of his appearances in the show and Hawkeye, you know, hated him. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a moment that they could find that could give that moment you're talking about between the two that would say, oh, well, you're kind of a jerk, but I like you anyway. Yeah. It just didn't exist. It just yeah. flat out didn't exist. And that was the tenor of the relationship. And so to, I think, to violate that anywhere along the line would have been probably a mistake. And so they just didn't yeah. and just let it go. And uh, poor Larry, you know, it's too bad. He was such a neat guy and a fun, neat guy to be around. I was sorry to see him, you know, go from the show because he was very pleasant to be around on the set. But yeah, I think you're right. And, you know, I mean, you can't watch the show and watch Hawkeye have so much disdain for that guy and then expect that there would be a, a hug me <laughs> episode. Right. This probably right. just ain't going to happen. I, Hawkeye did not respect Frank. There you go. I he think didn't. that there was a level of respect that Hawkeye had for Charles because Charles was skilled in what he did. Yes. Well, while Frank was not, Frank was incompetent. Charles was not. And so while Charles may have uh, gotten under Hawkeye's skin and driven him crazy at times, mm-hmm. There was a mutual respect there between Hawkeye and Charles. They were able to explore as the seasons progressed, but there was never any respect whatsoever for Frank. Yeah. And so when you have a character that has no respect, you don't have much uh, room to be able to grow that character. Yeah, really. And, And Hawkeye's disdain for him was not necessarily because of who he was or his personality. But like you say, he had no respect for him because of his incompetence, not because he was a goofy guy. Yeah. You know, Hawkeye was a good enough person to have gone past a personality, but not incompetence. Right. And that's why they just could never have, you know, shaken hands and <laughs> made up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Never. And honestly, I don't know that I wanted to see that. 
Either, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I don't know that we wanted to see Frank have the change of heart and Hawkeye and him become buddies. Yeah. Although we did see some glimpses of humanity in Frank, which I really thought was cool to see throughout the seasons, but they were just tiny little flashes here and there. And rarely did they expand on it. I, I think that was the smart of the writers to not try to change him, to let us see those little glimpses of what made Frank who he was. Mm-hmm. And then he instantly reverts back to his default setting which is idiot mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> an i i incompetent idiot that's what he is <laughs> yes so thank you bill for that question all right from joseph crow first time caller short time listener here all right joseph thank you jeff and ryan it will take me a while to fully encapsulate what i and surely so many other fans of the podcast are gaining from your work but i will say this for now Your efforts and presence on the MASH Matters podcast is a priceless and necessary addition to the tapestry of all things this show means to us. Well, what a beautiful thing to say. Gee whiz. You are creating a wonderful and personal archive that will endure, and hearing your voices brings me comfort and joy. Indeed, much like the show always has done for us. Yes, the podcast is that powerful. One small example, and I'll let you go. You spoke Kelly and she'll forever be a part of the podcast. That's a beautiful thing. Thank you. Thank you, Joseph. That was a beautiful thing. I'm going to read that every night before I go to bed, I think, (laughs) out loud Yes, to everybody I know. See? See? I'm going to go tell my kids that somebody out there thinks hearing my voice brings them comfort and joy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I am uh, I am very moved by that, Joseph. Thank you very much. I am too. Thank you. And uh, he mentioned Kelly. You know, yeah. we, we talked about Kelly in the last episode. And I want to say we had so many messages, comments, tweets, emails come in sharing their condolences mm-hmm. because they, they knew uh, the relationship that you had with Kelly. At first, I was going to thank by name individually people who sent us in messages but in the end, I'm not kidding when I say, I think we received 150 to 200 different messages from people sharing their condolences. So if you sent us a tweet or a message or an email, whatever, just know we saw it, we got it, and we really do appreciate it. Really do. They were heartfelt. She was a wonderful person and uh, always will be in all of our hearts. So. Thank you very, very much. All right. We have two voicemails we're going to play in this episode, and I have no idea who this person is because they didn't introduce themselves, but you know who you are, so thank you for the voicemail, and here is the first one. Hi. I thought you'd like to know, last week I received the newest issue, the April issue of Man Magazine. Unfortunately, you know what's going on with print and so forth. Uh, It's pretty much gone, so most of Mad's... uh, than magazines these days. It's about 80% old information, 20% new. Anyway, the April edition is a rerunning of some of their best uh, TV shows. And they have a mushed that was from 1981, and they reprinted a little thing on their pilot episode. It's really, really interesting. I think you might want to see it. It really has nothing to do with like what they're saying. It's sort of funny, but look at the fine detail in every character in every frame. Jack Davis, who died at like I don't ninety something a couple of years ago, he's the one that drew these. He's the one that drew the people, you know, real thin, big feet, uh, big head. 
anyway, it's really interesting to look at. It's it's worth. I, I get it, you know, in the mail, but if you go to the bookstore, it's probably like seven bucks these days. But it's worth checking out. But again, look at the detail of everybody. That's where the fun really is. Anyway, take care. Well, thank you, uh, whoever you are, <laughs> for, for sending that in. So this is, uh, I guess this is a Mad Magazine that's in stores now, and uh, they've gone back and found a lot of the old TV parodies that they did throughout the years, and they're reprinting them. And one of them was the MASH parody, which was called Mushed. And what's interesting is, uh, I think he said that was from 1981. I had that issue in 1981, and I remember that parody. Now, I have not seen it since 1981, so I might have to go pick up a copy of that. But uh, if anybody's interested, I believe it's Mad Magazine number 12, which is uh, the April 2020 issue. It is out there. So thank you for letting us know that. We appreciate it. Very cool. I remember I loved Mad Magazine. Boy, that was the greatest. I used to laugh and laugh. I would lay in bed and laugh and laugh, and my parents would come in and say, you got to go to school or something because you can't just lay there all day and laugh and laugh. Oh, yeah, me too. I loved reading Mad Magazine when I was a kid. Yeah, loved it. Great voicemail. Thank you, unknown person. You know, remember the unknown comic? Oh, yeah. Uh, Murray Langston, old friend of mine. From the Gong Show. From the Gong Show, yeah. from the He uh, yeah. actually was on the Sonny and Cher show, too. He was a good guy. We used to perform in clubs okay. uh, for many years. He was a little crazier than I was, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Great guy, though. Anyway, from Chris Slobodian in Liverpool, New York, he says, Hey, fellas, I just watched Bug Out, and in the very beginning of the episode, BJ and Hawkeye are watching the new latrine being dug. BJ yells to Salkowitz to dig Major Burns' side deeper. Then they pan to what looks to be Jeff digging in the latrine. My question is, is that Jeff? I'll answer that, and you have a PS to that. I'll answer that first, though. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't remember. <laughs> I did go and look at the episode, yeah. and I've always thought that it's, I think it's you. It looks exactly like you, unless they found somebody who looked exactly like you and stuck you in that latrine. Yeah. The problem is, is we only see you from like, you know, the chin up. <laughs> okay. Because you're down in the latrine digging it. I'm pretty sure it's you. Now, is Salkowitz the guy who is supposed to be me? Yeah. So BJ says, Salkowitz. A little deeper on that end. That's where Major Burns sits. And you, uh, as far as I can tell, look up, acknowledge him, nod, and go back to digging. <laughs> ah, okay. So I do think it's you. Now, I'm wondering if, you know, Salkowitz was in the script, and then as you were shooting it, maybe, you know, somebody else was going to do it, and then they decided to have you do it, and then they didn't connect the dots. Hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know. But I, I have noticed that in the past, uh, just like Chris noticed it. It does look like you, but they do refer to you as Salkowitz. So maybe that's your middle name. I don't I don't know. Is that Igor? Igor <laughs> Salkowitz-Sterminsky. <laughs> mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Say that six times real fast as your voiceover work <laughs> exercise. Um, you know, okay, well, here's what I'll have to look at it because I don't, I really don't remember. I kind of remember various jokes with a latrine, but I don't remember whether that's it. But I do know that there was a guy who used to wear his hat like me. And I don't remember, did this guy have a hat on that was digging latrine? I don't recall. Okay. I, I'm wanting to say that he did probably would have because he would he kind of stole that idea where he put the brim straight up and sticking straight up mm -hmm. that was something i did as goofy private igor and he used that he kind of took that mm -hmm. not that 
some other people didn't, but he liked that idea and he used that. Yeah. And we did have a slight similar appearance. So I don't know the word, the, the name Salkowitz kind of reminds me of something and he may have gotten that name. And I think they kind of called him Salkowitz later on in the show. Mm -hmm. So I, I'll have to look at it myself and see if I can figure it out. But I, I'm not sure, but you think it's me. I'm not sure. I mean, it looks a lot like you is all I'll okay. say. And, and, uh, but again, you know, this was not your first rodeo. This was not, yeah. the, <laughs> this was not the first season, even though, you know, there was the episode where, where Frank called you Maxwell <laughs> or you, you called yourself Maxwell actually, but that was, you know, that was earlier seasons. This was, you know, we're in BJ territory. We're in one of his first seasons uh, during this. So yeah. it's one of those pieces of continuity that just happened and why it happened. We don't know, but there, you know, there are some other, uh, uh, as we talked about in previous episodes, there are other examples of of continuity and people being called the wrong names. And mm -hmm. I mean, you look at some of the nurses, and there were you know several, I think, nurse Abels and yeah. <laughs> you know, throughout the years. So, so anyway, it, it, it's just one of those things. Why, if it was you, why were they calling you Salkowitz? Uh, the world may never the know. The world may never know. the The gentleman who did that character, where he stuck the brim of the hat straight up, was married to the the, the term a script girl. And she was responsible for sitting and watching everybody talk and taking you know note of the script and what was shot and what uh, take they wanted and all kinds of very various details that go on. Mm -hmm. uh, that was her job to take care of those details so that they could cut it together right. And that goes to the director and to the editing process. And so all those things are very important. She was married to that guy and he hung out and he loved me and he, I think he, he stole my hat gag, but anyway, <laughs> uh, but I, for some reason, I just, in the back of my head, I remember him being used various places and they called him Salkowitz, <laughs> I think. So it might've been that guy. It might've been me. I don't know. I will find out and report back here. Well, that was from the episode Bug Out, and I'm looking it up now. That was directed by Gene Reynolds. Uh -huh. So it, it wasn't a, a first-time uh, director that came in and, you know, and said, oh, let's call you Sokowitz. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> <Yeah>. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see if we can find out more. I do think it's you. Okay. We'll see if we can get to the bottom of that. Just so I can finish Chris's uh, question, he, he had a PS. Love the show. As many others, this show was what I grew up with watching with my dad. Mm. I was born two years after it ended, but we watched it religiously and I still do every day. Thank you, Chris. That's awesome. Don't stop. I need the residuals. <laughs> All right. So I have two questions here and they're both kind of similar. One is from Ross Martin. He says, so loving the podcast. I think it would be a good idea if you both went on Facebook Live and take questions from your fans. Uh, keep up the good work. And then Mark Higgins said, hi guys, love your humor. Keep up the good work. Any thoughts of doing a live show and touring? <laughs> so there are two kind of similar questions. One is, uh, hey, uh, go on Facebook Live and do a video and take questions from your fans. Well, um, uh, I don't know if we'll ever do that. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we'll be, I mean, we'll be, yeah, hey, 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 lady, I don't know, person. <laughs> I mean, that's what we're doing here is we're taking questions. Uh, we're just not taking them live. Well, I'm live. Live, live, like going on Facebook and turning on our cameras and, oh. and saying, OK, give us questions and we'll answer them live here on Facebook. The problem is, is that if we take them live, I don't have as much time to research and look at episodes of Bug Out to see if Jeff is digging a latrine or not and things like that. So you're getting more research here on the podcast than you would on like a Facebook live. Kind of a value added. 
Mm-hmm. Value added the podcast. You you wouldn't get bad value if it was live because you wouldn't know. I don't know. I don't remember. Right. You're getting much more valuable information than you would if if we were live. I think. And the other thing is, and I've been told this a lot. I have a face for radio, so <laughs> that's the other reason why you don't want to see me on Facebook Live. So that's Ross's question, and then Mark's question was, are we ever going to do a live show and touring? You know, that is kind of a thing that uh, is new in the podcast world. There are live shows, and these people go out, they rent out these theaters and people come and watch them record a podcast episode. I don't know if we're ever going to do that. Where or when that could happen, I have absolutely no clue. The problem you see is that Jeff lives over on the West Coast and I live in the Midwest. So it's not like we go uh, have lunch every week or anything like that. It, It would take some doing for us to end up in the same city on the same stage and record a podcast. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Jeff? Actually, I don't know if there are enough bowling alleys to be able to sustain uh, the kind of bookings that we would need to make it financially worth it, really. Do you? I mean, bowling is kind of down. I don't know. I hadn't considered that. I had not considered that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if there are, if you're a a bowling alley magnet, uh, please let us know and we'll give it a shot. We might be on lane 12, dodging balls. Oh, mercy. (laughs) It's something to think about, though. Again, if there was ever a situation where you and I could get together and be on a stage, I would love that. I would absolutely love that and invite people and they can come and ask questions and we record it and we release it as a podcast. Absolutely. That'd be great. But, you know, that takes uh, what's that word that we don't have uh, here on the podcast? Uh, money. Oh, money. money. That's the word. And uh, we don't have any of that here on the podcast. So we never use that word. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> Well, how many seats does Madison Square Garden have? Well, they just did the uh, big public school production of To Kill a Mockingbird there at Madison Square Garden. There you go. And there were 18,000 kids that watched that. So I think, you know, that's doable, I suppose, right? Yeah. Well, we're going to need a bigger venue, though, I think. Wait, is there a minimum number that they'll allow (laughs) in the Madison Square Garden? Can we rent it out and then like 17 people show up? (laughs) We either do... Madison Square Garden once or 36 bowling alleys across the country. One or the other. I'm not going to do both. All right. Well, we'll get our people working on that. Yeah, uh, our people. Hey, people, are you ready? Yeah, we're getting this ready for you. Okay, people, settle down now. All right, so here is the other voicemail that came in this week. This is from Jeff. Hi, my name is Jeff. I'm from Southern Idaho. First off, I want to say, Mr. Maxwell, you have got a fantastic first name. I'm a little biased. I want you guys to know how much I really appreciate this podcast. It's uh, something I just discovered recently, and I've been going back and listening to the episodes. I uh, I listen to them while I work. I'm a janitor, so I just put my earbuds in and reminisce the whole time you guys are talking. As most people, MASH has got a pretty special place in my heart. I, I'm young enough that I, didn't, I wasn't able to watch the episodes when they were first on. I was born in 82, and so I was obviously too young. But they used to play after the news at 10.30 at night when my dad would be home from work. He would watch the news and then mash. I was supposed to be in bed, but many times I would sneak out down the hallway and sit there and watch mash with him. And then uh, later on, as they came out on DVD, uh, we helped him collect the whole set of DVDs. And I borrowed them multiple times. And in some really dark times in my life, mash is what got me through. I would just sit there and watch over and over. and. Uh, it really meant a lot to me. 
Um, my dad passed away a few years ago, and one of the few things that I was able to inherit from him was his MASH DVD collection, and so it's got a pretty special place. Um, I do have a couple of questions. First off, uh, Mr. Maxwell, Jeff, um, what is the favorite episode that you worked on, like the Igor, Igor character? What episode stands out most to you? Which one is your favorite and then what is your favorite or a couple of favorite overall episodes throughout the entire season? And same question for Ryan. I would like to know what what are your favorite episodes? Um, for me, Death Takes a Holiday is one that always got to me. And then uh, War for All Seasons was one that's a lot of fun. One of the ones that I remember specifically growing up is where they poured the concrete floor in, in the OR. But I just want you guys to know how much I appreciate what you're doing, bringing this back, the insight from uh, from Jeff and all of the knowledge from Ryan. You guys are a great combination, and you do great work. Mash really does matter. It's phenomenal that 50 years after it started, people are still in love with the show so much because it's just so well-written and so intelligent and so heartwarming and so funny. I mean, it's just, it's brilliant. So thank you guys for what you do. MASH does matter. Wow. Mm -hmm. My goodness gracious. Wow. Jeff. Wow. Wow. Hey, you know, that was, that was a very wonderful voicemail. Yeah. Thank you very much. That was very, very moving on a lot of different uh, levels. Uh, not only a story about your dad, but I was particularly moved when you said that MASH got you through some dark places. And I think it sort of speaks to what the best of entertainment can do for us all and what the best of television can do for us all. Uh, sometimes you can't go to hockey games or plays or movies or something, but it's, it's easy to sit back in a chair and turn on the television and watch something. And... If you're in a dark place and you're feeling miserable, uh, the ability to sit back and watch something like MASH that makes you laugh is really, really a wonderful thing that we all have as human beings. And you can dump on the television business. And I've been in the television business for many years. I can say bad things about it. And I can say that there's not a lot of negativity and a lot of things that go on that aren't particularly pleasant. But the best of it is what you just illustrated. And... Um, Hearing you say that was it was very moving, and uh, I certainly appreciate it. And thank you for saying those beautiful words. And I'm going to play that over and over when I go to bed at night. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting because we've had a few letters that have come in, some emails that have come in, and some that we haven't gotten to yet. And again, we're going to try to get to as many as we possibly can in, in future episodes. But we've had some others who have come in and said, you know, Mash, you, Jeff, and your castmates have gotten me through some really, really dark times. And it's so interesting when you're doing something, you don't necessarily consider what the end result is going to be. You are so focused on the work. Then when it's done, you're focused on what's next. You're focused on the next episode or you're focused on the next project. And so sometimes you lose sight of the impact that particular episode or that particular line or that particular character uh, or that particular scene has made on somebody and, and the influence it's had on somebody's life. And because you're so focused on moving on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. So it, it is nice to see these messages come in to let you, Jeff, know and the MASH family know how much the work that 
you did many, many years ago is still impacting people even today. Mm -hmm. That it can still be current and, and still do that is a phenomenal thing. And to your point about, you know, you, you do these things. And when I was there, I got to be a part of MASH because I grew up and I was in show business before I got to MASH and I was a, a performer and I was just geared to be funny. Everything about my life was, okay, how do you be funny here? What do you be funny there? And how do you be funny at nine o'clock at, at night? And how do you be funny at two o'clock in the morning? And so funny, funny, funny was always on my brain. And so when I got to MASH, I was able to draw from whatever it was that I had in my <laughs> head and soul to do uh, the words that writers wrote and try and impart as much funny into them. But as we've talked about, and kind of the point of this podcast with Ryan and I, Ryan is, grew up watching it. To me, it was a job. It was a great job, but it was still a job. So when at 12 o'clock, uh, I had a line and it was a very funny line and we all knew it was funny. At 12 o'clock, I said the line and then everybody went to lunch and I didn't think about the line ever again because <laughs> that was the job. That was what I was supposed to do. But all these years later, we have people, wonderful people like Jeff and all the other people who write and say these things to us, say, hey, that made me laugh. That helped me feel better. That was an important moment in my life. But at the time, to me, I didn't know that. I was just doing my job and did the joke and went off to get a cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> and so hearing it now is really emotional for me. It really is. I'll say that. I've said it before. It is. It's an emotional experience to hear from so many wonderful people who are listening to this and, and making these comments. So, And I thank you. And I think it also is very important what he's saying about Ryan's <laughs> uh, knowledge of MASH, which is phenomenal. I rely on him completely to remember anything uh, because I don't remember too much of anything anyway. Uh, so his, his, you know, appreciation for it is phenomenal, but also his, uh, his intellectual <laughs> memory <laughs> about what went on in all those episodes is pretty phenomenal too. So it's cool. Darn good. Thanks, Jeff, for saying all those nice things. So Jeff's question, we don't want to lose sight of the question. He he wanted to know, is there a favorite episode of yours? Now, I know that you don't remember all of the episodes necessarily that you were in, but is there any particular episode that really stands out as being one of your favorites? Jeff who? Who's, who's Jeff? <laughs> and that's this episode of Mashed Matters. <laughs> it's time for Jeff to take a nap. We'll be back. Mashed Matters? What is that? <laughs> Honey, what's Mashed Matters? <laughs> Yes, there was an episode that was my favorite. And it, it's my favorite because I love watching it. And I love the fact that I did it with my dear, wonderful, sweet friend, Roy Goldman, who is not with us anymore, but he was such a joy to be around. Uh, and it was the episode, and Ryan, I don't know the title of it, where it's a river of liver and an ocean of fish episode. That's Adam's Ribs. Uh, oh, that's right. I'm sorry, Adam's Ribs. Yeah. That's my favorite episode because I thought what, went on was really funny. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just about me. I loved watching Alan do his dance when he jumped up on that table and did this wild dance. I'd never seen anything like that. I didn't expect him to do that. I went, wow, how did you do? What were you thinking? <laughs> and it was an amazing experience just to be part of that whole scene where the food's flying and he's dancing and the pans are banging and uh, Roy and I, <laughs> we started banging these things, which was all ad lib. Nobody said bang the pans. That was kind of a thing which they shot as a 
close up. But I, I loved doing that scene. I loved the, uh, the dialogue and I loved being there with Roy. So that's a favorite. I love watching it. And I, I love that moment that we had together, all those people together. So that's my favorite. It's one of my favorites too. And if you're new to the podcast, go back and listen to episode nine, because we devoted an entire episode just on Adam's ribs. Jeff, you asked for some of my favorite episodes as well. Uh, I've already mentioned a few of them in previous episodes, uh, like Adam's ribs and crisis. Sometimes you hear the bullet. Some of the ones you mentioned also are uh, my favorites. War for all seasons is one of my all time favorites. Death takes a holiday. I'll also say that the party is near and dear to my heart. Heal thyself is an episode I really like because of Edward Herman, his guest appearance on that episode. It's one of my favorite moments of mash uh, run for the money, especially the uh, sub plot with Winchester and the stuttering patient. And then one particular episode, and that's Old Soldiers, because Colonel Potter's speech, uh, his toast to his his fallen comrades, is one that gets me every single time. Mm-hmm. Those are some of my favorite episodes, which we will highlight in future episodes when we do the season rundown. The season four rundown would be next, and uh, I think we're going to be doing that in the year 2027. <laughs> That should be episode 174, I believe. But no, thank you, Jeff, for that voicemail. That was very special. We've been talking for a long time here, Jeff, so we can wrap this up. But what, I, what I'd like to do, if you don't mind. No, I want to keep talking. That's all I, I don't have anything to do. What do you got to do? I got nothing to do. Sit in my underwear and watch TV again. I'm not going to. Well, I guess that's okay. Before we go, I want to highlight a few of the reviews that have come in on Apple Podcasts. Again, if you would, please, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us on there. But here are a few of the most recent reviews from Apple Podcasts. From War Stories 4077. So I was born about a week ahead of MASH in 1972, and I've been watching ever since. Been really enjoying this podcast when I get a chance to listen. It's been great to hear the conversations with the cast. One last thing. Sometimes Jeff's voice reminds me of Casey Kasem from the old Top 40 Countdown, and he says that's meant as a compliment. And number 42 is coming at ya. <laughs> and that is a long-distance dedication. Long-distance dedication. <laughs> well, thank you. That's a, certainly a compliment. I'll take that every day. Yeah. Um, and Slapshots writes... A great listen. Very informative and fun. Big fan of MASH. Maybe I can get you guys on my podcast. Yes, our price is $35,000 a piece, <laughs> yeah. I think. Isn't it, Ryan? Is it up to thirty-five dollars a piece now? Yes. And you have to uh, rent out Madison Square Garden. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Scott in Omaha says, thank you so much to Ryan and Jeff for bringing this amazing show to us every two weeks. I truly get excited when it pops up available. MASH is the greatest television show to air and to hear your conversations about the many outstanding interviews you have brought us makes my love for the show only grow deeper. Keep up the great work. And thank you, Scott. That's exactly why we do this podcast. Darn straight. And Jim Fox says, Jeff and Ryan have such a connection with each other and the audience. You can feel it in every show. This show has renewed my interest in watching MASH and looking for little things that get revealed on the show. When I focus on Igor now, I truly think that the writers missed having him more in the forefront. I'm going to read that again. When I focus on (laughs) Igor now, I truly think that the writers missed having him more in the forefront. One more time. I truly think that the writers missed having him more in the forefront. Jeff is a star in my book. 
Here's looking up your old address. Well, thank you, Jim. That's very, very nice. Very nice. Now, and you're going to read that one over and over again to yourself as well. Uh, later. The writers missed having him more on the show. So please go to Apple Podcasts, rate and review us, and we'll uh, hopefully be able to read your review on an upcoming episode of MASH Matters. You know what, Jeff? That does it for this episode. And the next episode is a big one. We've been teasing it now for, uh, for several episodes, but we have a very special guest star joining us on the next episode of mash matters should we say who it is well we've already said who it is oh we have well if people have listened to us in the past few episodes they've already heard us say that uh, that what's his name um short glasses you know uh, gary berghoff once said to me don't drop names is what he said <laughs> okay so you're saying we shouldn't say gary berghoff is going to be on the next episode is that what you're saying no i would be like dropping names or something and I is don't that know. is that tacky should we not do oh, that that's very tacky we will not say that gary berghoff is our special guest on the next episode we'll just say Listen to the next episode for a very, very special guest Ooh. here on MASH Matters. How about that? Who's coming on? Who's, who is it? Oh, I don't want to say, you know, because that would be tacky. Okay. That's what Gary Berghoff said. Oh, Gary. I love that guy. <laughs> we should get him on as a guest. What a great idea. Yeah. All right. Until then, here's looking up your old address. 